Hey, this is Brian Golden, lead pastor of Centerpoint Church, and I just want to welcome you to our podcast. I also really want to thank you for taking the time to listen. And I want to let you know that now you can watch these messages as well, anytime and anywhere. And the easiest way to do that is on the Centerpoint Church app. In addition to that, the Centerpoint app is also the easiest way to stay connected with what's happening at Centerpoint. So go to your favorite app store, search Centerpoint Church Florida, and you'll find it right there. Most importantly, I really want to say if you're a longtime follower of Jesus, or maybe you're just investigating who Jesus is, I really hope this message encourages you to take your next step in your journey of faith or in your journey of investigating faith. Thanks again for listening. What's up, everybody? Hopefully you were having an incredible Thanksgiving weekend. Y'all love Thanksgiving? So give it up. Give that turkey some praise. Give him some praise. He gave his life for you, that turkey on Thanksgiving. Right? We can say amen to that. That's okay. Different kind of church. Man, so glad Thanksgiving's done, to be honest with you, because I love Christmas. And the reality is I was listening to Christmas music back in September, and I loved it, and I got a problem, and I don't care who knows it, because Christmas is on the way. Some of you don't celebrate Christmas until after Thanksgiving, and you know who you are, and you're missing out, okay? Jesus wants to do more for you than just December Christmas. And for some of us, we celebrated Rivalry Week. We had a good time watching some football. If you're like me, man, you had a good week. Put 62 on them. Number one, nothing. But hey, even if you're not a football fan, everybody's welcome here. Everyone's, you know, come be a part of what's going on. Man, as you're looking through uh, stuff for Christmas, we've been talking about giving stuff away for Christmas, our generosity campaign, planning uh, to give toys away. Still go out this week. You still got plenty of time. Go buy toys for kids that you don't even know that could not earn this gift from you because a gift can't be earned. Go buy them some toys and just give the toys away. Have a great time. Have fun doing it. Some of you, I love seeing y'all come in with your bags of toys and your bins of toys and they're out here by the lobby. Remember, that's not shopping for you. That's for somebody else. So just drop them off here. Uh, Go out and get them. Uh, But for some of us, even as we're looking at Christmas, we're thinking like at some point between now and really it's like January 2nd, you're going to have some, some, every one of us will have some kind of awkward dinner conversation, awkward moment, right? Like it could be a kid's play where like, Lord bless them, they're little and cute because they're not that great, right? Let's be real about that. I'm a dad. I know how it is. My kid loves to sing songs all day long. Don't look at me like I'm a bad dad. She can't sing, but I love her. And she's precious, and I'm all about it. Uh, some of you, it's going to be a work party where you're getting around with people that you work with, and you're like, like, this is why we don't hang out. This is why we just work together. We get paid to be around each other. There's going to be an awkward situation there. Some of you, uh, it's your family. Probably Thanksgiving, you just had a situation where there was an awkward situation. I think most of us, uh, through Thanksgiving, you have at least one awkward situation you can remember uh, that happened. Some of we can laugh about. It's just funny. Some of you are like tapping someone's knee right now. Like, that was you this year. You were so awkward. Uh, Rachel and I, a couple years ago, had this awkward dinner uh, situation. Uh, We were out where she's from in like hippie country, southern Oregon and like legit hippie country, um, like dreadlocks down to the feet. They don't wear any shoes, live in buses. There's happy camp, which is a commune up the street. Like the babies are excited about that. Like there's like, even like she didn't live in a happy camp, but she knew where it was. Okay. Uh, So we're out there and hanging out. We were invited over for dinner. I was some people and we're at their house and they invited another couple to come over and we're sitting there having dinner with them. And it became very apparent very quickly uh, that these other invited guests had something against us and even me in particular. Uh, Something I had said kind of off the cuff. I didn't mean any disrespect by it, but like I didn't know there's such a thing as like mean hippies, Um, but apparently there were some, at least that day. Uh, And they almost, it was almost like an ambush. Like I don't want to say berated, but they berated us a little bit. And they even got to the point where the person that was hosting us was like, well, let's just remember we're all friends here. Which is like a dead giveaway. If you got to remind people at dinner that you're all friends, like (laughs) someone's not being a friend in that moment. And it wasn't me. And I just like remember like sitting there thinking like, I don't know what I did to you. Like, do I defend myself? Do I get up and leave? And Rachel was like trying to figure out, they they fed us rabbit that night, which is another interesting thing. Rachel was sitting there trying to figure out like, how do I not eat this rabbit? Like, how do I shuffle around my plate and put some in my napkin so I don't have to eat this? And she's just kind of focused on dinner and I'm just focused on like, this happening right now. I'm like, this is really awkward. I don't really know if I want dessert. Um, I love dessert, but I don't know if I want to sit here another half an hour and hang out with you. And, and, and since then, like, we talked to them and it all worked out and there's some misunderstanding things. And, and all of us, though, like, we all have awkward situations in life, right? 
because it's just part of life. Like people you interact with at work, you're gonna say something, I'm gonna say something. Even the past couple of weeks, like I've been talking a lot and I've said things that have been dumb that you've been offended over, you've been frustrated with, or it's awkward, or how are we gonna reconcile these things, or you've had those situations. And one of the things I love is, as you look through the scriptures, you see the awkwardness of life, don't you? Like as you look through, if you read through scriptures yourself and you can read like, especially the Old Testament, like the beginning, uh, way back you start in the very beginning, you're like, oh, there's a lot of like, weird, strange things. Like we won't get into some of that because there's kids in here, but there's all sorts of like weird and strange, awkward situations. Even you read through the account of Jesus's life and some of you, you've never done this and you totally should do this because there's all sorts of stuff. Like there's this time where Jesus gets with his crew, they sail across this lake and land on this other area and they're out there and Jesus is around, they're healing people and loving on people and doing stuff. And then this dude comes up who's demon possessed and everyone knows him as like the local possessed dude. The only problem is it says that he lived in the tombs and he didn't wear any clothes. So imagine you're with Jesus. It's okay. You can laugh a little bit. You can be junior high. Like, it, like, so you're hanging out with Jesus and all of a sudden this naked dude runs up and Jesus just talks with him and, and fixes him and helps him. Or there's this time where Jesus is at uh, this wedding feast and they run out of wine and like, which that's awkward, even like, don't run out of wine. Some of you, like, that is the thing that will get you through family holidays, like, don't run out of wine. Uh, for some of you, like, don't worry about that. But like, Jesus is there, and they're going through, they run out of wine, that's kind of awkward. And then Jesus' mom is over there like, hey, go get Jesus. Jesus will get more wine. <laughs> Jesus, the cup is empty. Let's fill, I don't know, okay, I don't know if Mary was an alcoholic, okay? <laughs> but... It's funny to think that Mary was the one that was like, where's all the wine at, Jesus? And Jesus at first is like, no, I'm not doing this. And then he's like, okay, well, you bring some, some things. And if I offended you, like, you tell Mary, I'm sorry. Um, but like, like Jesus, like, that, that's awkward. Jesus does that. At first he's like, no to his mom, and then he does it. Or there's this other dinner time where Jesus is, is talking with his followers, his closest friends, and he tells me, he lays this on, it's kind of weird. Uh, and if you grew up in church, a lot of this stuff, you just kind of glaze right over. Like, it's not weird for you. You're like, yeah, of course there's that naked guy. And of course the water to the wine. And of course, like, but try to put this on. Like, Jesus is sitting there with his, his closest friends and says, hey, if you guys want to be with me, you got to eat my flesh and drink my blood. Now, if you're at Thanksgiving and grandpa's like, hey, if you want inheritance, <laughs> you need to eat my body and drink my blood. Like, first of all, y'all going to be like, I don't know if we want whatever inheritance you might be leaving because we don't know what it will be. But like, that's, that's awkward, right? Like they didn't have, even at that time, they didn't have like we have these nice little sanitary like communion cups. You pull it up and pull the wafer and pull it up and drink. And like, like they didn't have that. So they're sitting on the table going, whoa, like what is Jesus saying? And Jesus really was like accustomed to being in all kinds of awkward situations because the people that Jesus came to connect with by and large are people who are on the outsides of society, people who are on the fringe of life. And he would go and find them and he would bring them. He'd connect with them. He'd have dinner with them. He'd talk with them. He'd build relationships with them. And most of the time it was really awkward because no one else would do that. Because a lot of times the people he went to seek out and to find were the people that nobody else wanted to go out and seek out and find. And Luke, actually, as one of the writers, there's several of them, but Luke is the one that we're going to follow through. It's this, this interaction, this story of Jesus uh, having dinner, and things got real awkward real quick, and kind of what happened with that. So if you have a Bible, you can open up to Luke chapter 7, or it will be up on the screen, but also, uh, if you want to follow on, on the app, or highlight stuff, write it down. This is uh, Jesus, his, his dinner party, things got a little awkward. So he's at that house of one of these Pharisees, and one of the other accounts, and even later in this passage, it talks about the guy named Simon. Uh, this guy's hosting Jesus. He invites Jesus over. Jesus is all about people, so he's like, of course, I'm always about a party. Let's go to Simon's house. So it says, when one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house, that's Simon, and he reclined at the table. This is where it gets a little awkward. It says, a woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. Now, alabaster jar of perfume is basically that's just a, an old, it's like uh, almost like a marble type jar, a vessel that would hold uh, perfume or valuable ointments, liquids in it. And it was really special. Even one of the other accounts of this, uh, it was uh, valued at about 10 months salary. So 300 days uh, wages. So like this is a pretty costly gift. Like think about anything you're giving this year for Christmas probably isn't going to be 10 months worth of your salary. And if you're doing that, hopefully it's a house. Um, if not, you might want to rethink your Christmas. Just my thought on that. Uh, so 
She comes in, she stands behind him weeping. She's at his feet. And she began to wet his feet with her tears. Now, I don't know about you, but that's never happened to me. That'd be a little uncomfortable. That's a little strange. That's a little weird, right? Don't worry. It gets a little worse. <laughs> then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee, when Simon, who invited Jesus, saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who it is that's touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. See, this woman had a reputation around town of, of living a sinful life, being a sinner. Because of that, a lot of historians, a lot of scholars think that she uh, was either a prostitute or something in that general realm of livelihood where it's very obvious to everyone that can see her, she is a sinner, she is unclean, she is unworthy. And honestly, she's lucky she even got in Simon's house because this is not someone Simon would associate with. See, Simon was a Pharisee. He was religiously elite, so he would walk around kind of pompous, and he didn't want anything to do with people he deemed as unclean, as unrighteous, as unworthy of his time. But he thought Jesus was. Has Jesus come into my house? Jesus, I want to I have you over, and I kind of think you'll see this a little bit, kind of what is Simon's motivation for having Jesus over? And even Simon is focused on what the woman has done, not what she's currently doing. He sees that she's a sinful woman. She's done these. She has a past. Jesus, if you knew who she really was, that she was unclean, you wouldn't let her touch your feet. And the reality is for all of us, and this is what was true of Simon, is the way that you view Jesus will shape and determine how you view other people. Like Simon, I think, is viewing Jesus, and we're going to see this in the passage, like Jesus is a good teacher, Jesus is an up-and-coming rabbi. Jesus is like, uh, he's like local celebrity. Like, I want to bring him to my house. I want to maybe get a little bit of street cred by bringing this new guy over. And some of us, and we see this all over the place where people, you see this in sports, you see this in politics, you see this in entertainment, where people give a little bit of lip service to Jesus, almost as like the token God thing. Like every touchdown you run in, you point up to the sky, you thank God for your gifts. Like, now I don't know you, like you might sincerely mean that, but a lot of us, like we sprinkle a little bit of Jesus on our life. And I think Simon, to a degree, is sprinkling a little bit of Jesus. Like, you come in, Jesus. Like, you come and have dinner with me. It's going to help. People are going to see, if we think you're a prophet, that's going to benefit me. But Jesus isn't here just to benefit us. He's not here to improve our life. As you look through uh, the stories of Jesus, what he does is he does not promise you a better life. He promises you a new life. Now, y'all need to remember that. Some of you need to write that down because the reality is for some of you, you're hoping to have an improved life and God, Jesus is saying, like the life you've had, I don't want that for you anymore. I want you to have something new, something fresh. And I think this is even where Jesus knows what Simon's thinking because you see this in the next verse. He, he answers Simon. Now, Simon thought this to himself and Jesus answers the question he had in his own brain. And he says to him, Simon, I have something to tell you. He says, tell me, teacher. And then he, Jesus goes on in verse 41, says, two people owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii, which is about a day's wage. So 500 days wages over, you know, a year, year and a half. The other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back. So he forgave the debts of both. Now, which one of them will love him more? Like both these people owe a debt that they cannot pay. Who's going to love the debt collector more. And Simon replied, I suppose the one who had a bigger debt forgiven. And Jesus answers him that you have judged correctly. So the reality is Jesus is showing Simon, like you're looking at this woman's life right now and you're seeing she has this massive debt. She is a sinner. It is a constant habitual thing for her. She can't get around it. She can't get outside of it. But you also have a debt you can't pay. And you viewing her, like you're comparing yourself to her instead of comparing yourself to me. Like you owe me the debt. See, scripture would teach that all of us through our choices, through the actions that I make, through the, the things that you do, that we are living. When we live in rebellion to God, which so many of us, it is our common nature to do that, right? Like I don't have to teach my children how to disobey. They know how to disobey. I'm trying to teach them how to not disobey. 
All of us, when we live in rebellion, we are in, uh, growing a debt towards God because he's the authority, and none of us can pay that debt. So whether your debt is small or your debt is large, we all owe someone something. But when I think that my debt is small and I minimize my debt, then it minimizes the cost. And when it minimizes the cost, I minimize God's grace. Because God has said that the cost of your choices, the cost of my choices, what Jesus would talk about is sinful behavior, sinful habits, sinful practices, sinful choices, sinful desires. Like the cost of that is a life. The punishment that you deserve, that I deserve, is that our lives be taken. And this is where the gospel comes in. The good news of Jesus is that he came in and said, you can keep your life. Actually, if you lose it, if you trust me, I will give you my life. I will die in your place. I will be buried for three days and I'll rise again three days later. That is the good news that Jesus has the power to give you his life because he's defeated death. And if he's defeated death, what else is too big for him? There is nothing that's too big for him. So Jesus is showing Simon, like, you're thinking that you don't owe anything but even you. Even you, religious, righteous Simon, maybe you grew up in church, maybe this is you, maybe you associate with Simon, like, even you who can't understand, they struggle with that thing, and that's ugly, and that's far from me, I can't get, like, they have such a worse sin life than I do. Even us who grew up in this, we owe God something. Even if you think, like, hey, I've been living a good life for a long time, like, you still owe God something. And then Jesus continues to talk to Simon, but looks down at the woman and draws Simon's attention to the woman. He says, do you see this woman? Which I feel like it's kind of like a duh moment, right? Like Simon's like, yes, of course I see this woman. The woman is crying at your feet, making a big scene, interrupting our dinner party, ruining all my plans. The unclean woman in my clean house. Like, yes, I see her. What do you need to do with her? Why don't you send her away? Jesus, like, I think Simon's even thinking, like, Jesus, do you really see her? Truth is, like, Jesus saw her more, in, in te- Jesus saw her way more than anyone had seen her in years and years. Jesus saw into her very soul, and this is what Jesus does. He says, I came into your house, but you didn't give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. The things that Jesus is showing is, like, these are custom things. These are in their uh, context and where they're at. Like, this is what you do to show honor, respect, even honestly just common decency for somebody. Like, we don't do this today. Like, if you showed up at Thanksgiving at my house and I tried to wash your feet and give you a kiss and put oil, oil on your head, you probably would be upset with me. Uh, probably one of those awkward dinners we talked about, right? Like, we don't really do this. But in that culture, they did. And it was to show honor, show respect, common decency. And, and what Jesus is kind of getting to is, like, you're comparing this lady past to your past, but I'm comparing her present to your present. Like she is showing me so much honor. She's showing me so much love. She's showing me so much gratitude. You haven't shown me anything. And you're over here looking at her past and worried about me interacting with this unclean, sinful woman because of what she's done in the past. And I'm not holding that against her because of what she's doing in the present. And some of you, like, this is why you came to church. This is what you need to hear. This is what you need to write down and take home with you and begin to remind yourself this is, is Jesus is not worried about your past. He's worried about your present. Like, are you doing something now? And not in this way of living for Jesus and trying to do enough and do enough and do enough and earn, 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 but in a way to say, like, I am turning to Jesus. Like, forget what happened yesterday. Don't let that failure define today's faith. Look to Jesus today in the present moment. And Jesus is looking at her, and he's seeing her acts, and he's saying, like, she's, she gets it right now. She gets it right now. And this is what Jesus says to her. So he, he's talking to Simon about the woman, and he says to her, therefore I tell you, I tell you, Simon, her many sins have been forgiven. As her great love has shown, but whoever has been forgiven loves little, loves little. Now, can you imagine this woman, like the courage it took to come to that dinner? 
Like, can you imagine, like, she knows her reputation. Some of you have been there where you have a reputation. You know your reputation. You know if you show up at a certain place, honestly, some of you, like, you come here because everyone else, you know, goes to that church, and you don't want to show up over there because you know that they're all going to look at you and cast you out, so you want to come here. And everybody is welcome here. There's other people, honestly, there's people who don't go here because they fear the same thing about people that go here. Because all of us like to pick up stones and throw at people, right? All of us like to be Simon in the situation and go, well, Jesus, if you really knew what they did last night, Jesus, you wouldn't let them come and raise their hands and praise you. Jesus, if you really knew how they treated them, if you really knew how their heart was, you really knew the desires of their life, you wouldn't accept their praises, you wouldn't accept their money, it's dirty money, it's unworthy, you would not accept them. And Jesus is saying, no, 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 forget about the past. I already know about that. I already know about the future too. I'm focused on the present right now. Like what is happening right now? And she's coming into his house and I think she's having these conversations that all of us have at some point of like, I'm just so sinful I've just messed up so much. I'm broken. Like, I have nothing to offer. Jesus is a righteous person. If he knew about me, I don't think he would accept me. Man, Jesus is religious. Simon, like, are they even gonna let me in the house? I'm bringing this oil, this perfume, because I hope if I can just give this to him and kind of buy his approval, like, I don't even know how I can do this. And what she does is she just shows up. She's overwhelmed, I believe, with guilt, with shame, but also with gratitude and just starts weeping at Jesus' feet and doesn't know what to do besides love him. And she breaks this vessel open and she pours it on Jesus' feet and she washes his feet and begging him, like, please, would you just accept me? And what Jesus does then, the way I view this is he's been talking to Simon the whole time. He's talking about her. I think he looks over at her and he takes her face and he lifts her face up off of the ground, up off of his feet, and he looks at you, and he does this with every single one of us, and this is the beauty of the gospel we need to surround our hearts with and continue to remind ourselves that he lifts her head, and he sees her the way that no one had seen her for years. He sees the value in her that people had took from her. He sees the purpose that she was not sure was even there anymore, and he says these four powerful words to her. He says it to all of us. He says, your sins are forgiven. Now, this is the gospel, This is the good news that Jesus came to tell us, that our sins are forgiven. And this is where we celebrate this, and this is where we need to put our hands together, this is where we need to clap and share this message with everyone, because it wasn't that she repented enough. It wasn't that she was sorry enough. It's not that she came and she gave enough. It's not that she begged enough. It's that Jesus was powerful enough. That he was the one who said, it's not about you, it's about me. You're walking around, some of us even today, we're walking around, we're broken, we're hoping for acceptance, we're desperate, we need mercy, we need love. And Jesus is saying, come on, come right in here. I got good news for you, your sins are forgiven. Like that's something we should celebrate. Thank you over here, all of you. We can celebrate this because our sins are forgiven. Every single one of us, and this is the thing too, thank you for that golf clap, we'll get even more excited, y'all will get this one of these days, okay? Here's the thing too, this is the beauty of the gospel. His love for this woman did not start when she started washing his feet. He saw her before the foundations of the earth, before time itself existed. He saw her in her mother's womb. He saw her walk in the streets, selling her body to people to get money, to buy things. He saw her walk in her sinfulness, and he saw her and said, that one's mine knowing everything about them, knowing everything about you. He said, that one's mine. She might be going through hell right now, but I'm gonna bring her to heaven because I am powerful enough. That's the gospel. That is the good news. That is the message we need to proclaim to everybody and anyone who will hear us. Even through these last few weeks, we've been talking about loving mercy and doing something and acting with justice. It all goes back to the gospel that Jesus is powerful. It's not that we are powerful or strong enough. It's that Jesus is. And we need to continue to remind ourselves of that when it feels like we're not making a difference, when it feels like we're not doing enough, when it feels like the darkness keeps creeping in and we are not able to fight out against it, whether it's the darkness in your own mind or your neighborhood or our city, we can look and say, Jesus is powerful enough. We're going to turn to Jesus. Because this woman had nowhere else to go. And she went to Jesus. When we have nowhere else to go, we got to go to Jesus. Because the reality is he's going to make everything better. Again, he's not trying to improve our lives. He's trying to give us a new life. He's trying to give us his life. But not everyone in the room is so convinced of this. You look down to the next part of this passage. It says, The other guests began to say amongst themselves, 
Who is this? Like, who does Jesus think he is? Who is this who can even forgive sins? Can I tell you something real quick? Like, don't be worried about what other people in the room are saying when Jesus already told you something. That's good. I'm gonna tell you what, I hear some of this stuff the first time too, so I can say that was good. That's Holy Spirit coming through. Y'all need to listen to what Jesus has said, not simply what people in the room are saying to you. Because for some of us, we surrounded ourselves, and some of us, sadly, this is even families, this is work environments, this is yourself, the things you're telling yourself with the lies and deception. You're thinking you're not good enough, you're not strong enough, you're not worthy enough. And the reality is, if I can be sure with you, that's right, you're not good enough, you're not strong enough, you're not worthy enough. But Jesus is. And if Jesus says your sins are forgiven, you go out and you walk a new way. Jesus said something about you, you hold on to that because he is the alpha, the omega, the beginning and the end. He is all-powerful God. He's the one who came to die in your place. Whatever he says, it rules. Not what you tell yourself, not what someone else says. If Jesus said it, that's what I'm gonna go with. And this is where these people are looking around and go, who is Jesus? Like, did Jesus, if he knew about her. And Jesus saying, yo, yo, the thing is, I know about her, I also know about you. I can forgive your sins, but your sin over there and your self-righteous pride and you won't come to me. And when you won't come to me, you're relying on yourself. And when you rely on yourself, you have to pay your own punishment. And so Jesus again is saying, come to me. I don't want you to have to pay your own punishment. I've come to freely pay it for you. Would you come? And he reiterates this to this woman. And he says, I love the way he says this. He says, your faith has saved you. Now go in peace. You think about even this woman, all the turmoil, all the internal struggling and difficulties and frustrations she had. Jesus is saying, you can go in peace. I want peace for you. Go out and live my peace. You bring in your pain, I'll give you my peace. You come and you give me your dysfunction. I'm gonna give you my new life. You give me whatever you have and what you have is broken because all of us are broken. When I come to Jesus, I come and say, dude, I'm broken. I need you to fix me. He says, I'll fix you. Your sins are forgiven. This is reality too. This is what we gotta remember too is, is Jesus doesn't say, hey, everything's all better. Don't worry about anything. You're fine just the way you are. Now some of us, and this is where it gets, it can feel kind of sticky and tricky and difficult, but like I'm not fine just the way I am. I got some women at my house I could tell you that. My wife, couple girls, like people I work with, like I'm not fine just the way I am. I still have broken areas of my soul that I am working to surrender to Jesus to receive his healing in my life. I'm still not at complete peace. Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. He acknowledges the brokenness of humanity, the choices that she has made, the choices that you and I have made. He says, I've acknowledged that, but that has no power over you anymore. I'm gonna give you my peace. And this woman displays this beautiful act of humility that we see all through Jesus in the gospel and the good news of what he's told us and what, how he has lived for us is this humility first. Humility is in the character of God. And when we look through scripture, we see even specifically in Philippians chapter two where Paul lays out this idea that Jesus humbled himself. He did not count equality with God as something to be grasped, to hold on to, but he humbled himself, taking on the form of a servant like Jesus is God come to earth. He laid aside a few of his attributes. He stayed, remained completely and 100% God, but he also was 100% human. So Jesus' voice cracked when he went through puberty. Like Jesus had pimples. Jesus had bad hair days. None of the pictures look like it, but it happened. <laughs> right, like, like we gotta put this humanity on Jesus. Jesus gave up so much to come to get us. And he was obedient to the point of death and death on a cross. Like this woman showed the humility that God exhibited as Jesus coming to earth. But the reality again is, is everyone else at this dinner party with their self-righteous pride, where they're looking at her and go, she's so messed up. Jesus, if you really knew, and Jesus is saying, she's the only one getting my peace right now. Because she's humbled herself. The reality is every single one of us will rely on something. You can rely on yourself. And again, if you rely on yourself, then you are responsible for pay for your own punishment. And my hope for you, uh, my, my hope is that you would understand that Jesus said you freely do not have to do that. 
I would do that for you. And this is where even Peter, one of Jesus' closest friends, he wrote about this in his letter to the church. Uh, And I think as he even wrote about this, the idea of humility, uh, he had this idea in his mind about how this happened at this dinner where this woman was washing Jesus' feet and also later when Jesus washed uh, his followers' feet. And this is uh, in his letter where he talks about this, this idea of humility. It's gonna be up here on the screen. We talked about this before, but the different translations that we use, I love the amplified version of these passages because it expounds so much greater on what this is actually saying. It says here, talking about humility, likewise, you younger men of lesser rank and experience, be subject to the elders, seek their counsel. And all of you, every single one of you, young, old, male, female, anyone in between, clothe yourselves with humility towards one another to tie on the servant's apron. For God is opposed to the proud the disdainful, the presumptuous, and he defeats them, but he gives grace to the humble. Now, I don't know about you, but if I look to God as the ultimate authority, the ultimate power, we all celebrated how powerful Jesus is just a moment ago. Do you want someone who's that power against you? Do you want someone who's that powerful to want to defeat you? Now, it's not a run around afraid, I'm scared of Jesus. It's just reality is when I think I am the center of everything, when I think I am all that, when I am proud in myself, God is actively against me. God is actively against you. But when I humble myself, when I wash someone else's feet, when I acknowledge my own shortcomings, my own brokenness, my own, honestly, just dysfunction, when I can humble myself and see myself for who I truly am, then I can finally see myself for who God truly says I am. Like, you gotta humble yourself. You gotta put on that apron. So this woman came in in humble, begging Jesus for acceptance, and Jesus freely gave it to her. But also then Jesus later, it talks about in the Gospels, the account of Jesus' life, it goes through and it lays out how Jesus, the night before he was crucified, before he died, he went and he took an apron on and he went and washed his followers' feet, which is a job of a servant. Like this was like, like basic, like, like no one would want to do that. And Jesus did that out of love, but also to show, I came to serve, not be served. And if you're part of Jesus' movement, you got to serve, not just be served. Can I be straight with you? If you're a follower of Jesus, like this is directly for you. Don't miss this. If you're not a follower of Jesus, you're just hanging out. Like you are welcome to forget about this. You could zone out for a little bit, do whatever you want. This is, you know, you don't have to do this. But if you're a follower of Jesus, like you know, you got to wash someone's feet. Like you don't get a pass on this. Like and it shows up even here in our house. It shows up like, like making coffee for people and setting up the cafe area like holding doors and welcoming people, like ushering people to their seats, like leading worship, running sound, being over there loving on kids, holding babies, checking in new families, parking cars. This is something I love about our gathering. We have people, uh, honestly, of, of uh, whether it's a military career or their own personal career or whatever, like, like extremely successful people in our gathering because of where we're located in, in regards to some of the bases around us and stuff. And this is what I love. There are dudes out there, you would have no idea what they do for a living and they're just parking cars. Like the dude runs his own company. The dude is a high ranking officer in whatever military branch they're a part of. And they're out there parking cars. One of my favorite stories I was, I have this guy over here, Hank, who helps out with CC Kids check-in. And we're talking, he's military. I'm like, cool, you know, like I'm super thankful for your service. Like I don't, I don't really know about a whole bunch of that. And we're talking about stuff. And he just comes in, he serves, helps with check-in over there. And then someone else in our gathering came and said, uh, do you know who that is? Like, it's Hank. Like, no, like he's, like, he's like the highest enlisted army soldier at McDill or whatever, Airbnb. like, he's like a big deal. And I'm thinking, like, he's just Hank. <laughs> now, don't y'all go over to the kids' area and, like, try to peek on Hank and try to get a glimpse of a big deal, okay? But this is the reality, like, like he's not acting like he's a big deal. For so many of us, like, like we think that we get beyond this and like, you're like, I'm a big deal or that's for somebody else, which is a different way of saying I'm a big deal and it's not for me. And the reality is, and this is, I don't mean this to sound too harsh, but I also wanna be straight up with you. Like if, if serving is someone else's job, you might need to find someone else's church because here in God's house, we gotta serve. 
We gotta do stuff, but not even just in the house. Like I'm not even just trying to rally volunteers. Do we need volunteers? Yes, we need people to step up and serve, especially for the fourth, fourth service we're gonna launch in January. We need people to sign up today to serve for that so people have an opportunity to come and hear the gospel. Like we're not just babysitting kids over there. We're teaching them the good news of Jesus. We're not just singing songs over here. We're proclaiming the praises of our God. We're not just welcoming people to a building. They're welcoming them with God's love and acceptance. And some of you need to sign up. Some of you need to start to actually walk out what you say you believe. Like, like let's do this. Like talk is cheap. So let's sign up. Let's do something. Let's make a difference. Because when we won't serve, basically what we're saying is you're not welcome here. And you might say, like, how is that? Like, you're not welcome. I'm not going to switch what service I go to. I'm not going to go. So I'm not going to make an opportunity for other people to hear the gospel. I'm not going to make an opportunity for you to hear the gospel. So in reality, you're not really welcome here. As much as everyone else makes it welcoming, if you're not stepping up, if you're not giving back, if you're not washing someone's feet, you're not living like Jesus. And if we're going to be Christians, if we're going to be little Christ, if we're going to be the representation of God on earth, we got to wash someone's feet. But again, not even just in the house. Go out and find somebody. Like some of you are washing kids' feet through foster care. You're opening up your home. And you're having families come in, people in crisis, and you're teaching them about the love of God through your example of loving them unconditionally and bringing them into your house and accepting them completely. Some of you are washing people's feet by going out and serving like this Thanksgiving. You went out and you served a meal to people and you shared the love of Christ through washing someone's feet figuratively, giving them something they did not deserve because Jesus has given you so much that you don't deserve. And I hope this has been clear. You gotta do something. And this is the reality too. This is the last thing I'll say and I'll stop preaching about this and we'll preach about something else in a second. Is, is, and this is like, like, don't come up and tell me great message if you're not willing to serve. Because it wasn't a great message if you're not willing to serve. Like you might have liked what I said. You may have laughed. I might have entertained you for some time. But like, don't come and say great message and like not go and serve. Like, like let's go do something because it will be for your good. You will enjoy serving and find a place that you gotta serve. We're not shoving people in. Hey, you want to, you, we just need people with babies. Just shove people in babies. No, do you want to be with babies? If you don't want to be with babies, I don't want you with babies. Do you want to hold the door? Do you want to do whatever? Like, even this thing with our worship team. We call them a worship team because they are not a band. They lead us in worship. That's what they do. I heard talking with a friend this past a week or two ago, and they said one of the things I love about it is the worship team hangs out out here in the lobby, and they shake people's hands. They're accessible to people. They don't just go back into some room somewhere and hide away for the next service. No, because what they're doing here, they're just using what God has given them to serve him, just like you do with babies, just like you do when you hold doors, just like you do when you lead a community group, just like you do when you do a foster care. You're using what God has given you to serve him. And when we do that, at the appointed time, God will lift us up. It's his timing, not your timing. You do what you know you're supposed to do and you let God worry about the rest. Then Peter goes on to say this, and verse six, therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. Set aside self-righteous pride so that he may exalt you to a place of honor in his service at the appropriate time, casting all your cares, all your anxieties, all your worries, and all your concerns once and for all on him. He cares about you. Do you know God cares about you? Like he knows you and he cares about you with the deepest affection and watches over you very carefully. And this is reality for a lot of us. We are walking around in a sense of pride where we're holding on to all of our stuff thinking we will be able to fix it. We will be able to solve our own problems and we can't. And it's crushing you. And what Jesus is saying is it's, it's crushing you because you were never designed to carry that load. But I am. I'm strong enough to carry what you're holding. Like what's breaking you right now is will break you completely, but it will not break me because I've taken everything that can hurt you and I've destroyed it with death and the grave and I'm walking around in new life and I don't wanna just simply improve your life. I don't wanna just give you a better situation. I want to change your life. I wanna exchange your brokenness for my beauty. I wanna exchange your pain for my peace. I wanna give you everything good that I have. Would you just humble yourself and come to me? Some of you are wrapped up in a problem and a solution you're trying to figure out and you will not humble yourself to get the help you need. Some of you need to get into counseling. Some of you, let's be real, your life is falling apart. 
and you're trying to hold all the pieces together and it keeps slipping through your fingers and would you, would you humble yourself enough to get help? Would you love the people around you enough to get help? Would you go and say something to someone for the very first time, tell them about what you're struggling with and, and just to see the freedom that gives you? That's why we have a counseling ministry. We want people to come in. You need counseling. We want to provide counseling for you, which is an incredible service of our church. Like, take us up on that. Humble yourself. I even know from my personal life, when I'm struggling with something, whatever, it could be anger, it could be impurity, it could be whatever my heart is going towards. Like, I, I need to re, refocus my heart, re-surround myself with truth. If I am proud and try to muscle down and white-knuckle it to find freedom, I'm never going to find freedom. But when I tell one of my buddies and say, hey, I'm just struggling with it, I don't know what it is, or I tell my wife, hey, I don't know, I'm just angry about it, can you just pray with me? For whatever reason, I can't explain it outside the supernatural power of Jesus coming in. When I humble myself, when you humble yourselves, you receive grace. We gotta humble ourselves. And when we do, Jesus says the same thing to us that he said to this woman. Let's go in peace. Like you are worried to let go of the thing you're holding on to. And my question for you is, what are you afraid will happen when you humble yourself? Yeah, you might lose control. Yeah, it might not work out the way you thought it would. Yeah, people are gonna think you're worse than they, they thought you were. You're not as good as you think you are anyways. Like what are you afraid will happen when you humble yourself? Because if scripture says, if Jesus has said, when you humble yourself, I will give you grace. Like, what is greater than that grace? Like, again, this, this situation, Jesus is at the dinner table. This woman is crying over his feet. He talks to her. Everyone else in the room is still thinking she's a sinner, but she knows that now she's a saint. She knows now Jesus has told me my sins are forgiven. I have complete confidence in him because he has authority to say those things. And when Jesus tells us to go in peace, when Jesus tells us to humble ourselves, he has the authority to tell us that he will give us grace because he has. And for so many of us, we gotta get back to the place where we look at the humility that Jesus had and we embrace it for ourselves. And we say, Jesus came, he forsook heaven, he left heaven to come to earth to win us back, to buy us back. Your debt, whether it was 50 or 500, your debt cost Jesus his life. That's how much he loves us and cares about us. And he came to do that, to win us back to him, to have us for himself, to have a seat at his table. The reality is you don't deserve God, but God deserves you because he's paid the price for you. He's came to find you. Scripture says he came to seek and to save that which was lost. If you're lost, Jesus is looking for you. He didn't come just for the religious people. He wanted to reinvent the religion to take it away and say, what you've been doing, it's all messed up. Like, come back and look to me. He looked at people who weren't even religious at all. said, you come to me, everybody and anybody. You come to me, I'm gonna give you rest. I'm gonna give you peace. So if your version of Jesus is white knuckling and trying to hold on and trying to be good enough, that's a wrong view, view of Jesus. Because Jesus didn't tell this woman to get her life together. Jesus didn't tell us, well, try better now. Jesus didn't tell us, hey, I've forgiven you. Now you need to go and do different things. No, he said, you're forgiven. The forgiveness of God is totally complete. It's eternal. I mean, it has no end. It has no beginning. It is just there for us. And everything that we're going to do tomorrow, God already knows and he's already forgiven us. Now, it doesn't give us a place to live where we can just do whatever we want because Jesus has forgiven us. I, can just, I don't have to worry about anything because to be honest, Jesus is a person, and if a person has loved me and forgiven me, I question if I love that person, if I treat them like trash. Is I love Jesus because he has loved me so much. I go, I want to live a life for Jesus. Yeah, I'm going to mess up. You know what? I say dumb things to my wife all the time. I get in fights with my wife because I'm proud all the time. I love my wife more than anything in life, but I still mess up, and she still loves me and accepts me, forgives me, and is gracious to me. And she is Jesus in that moment. And for some of us, we get to be Jesus to people around us, but you can't be Jesus if you're not washing someone's feet. You gotta get out there, you gotta do something. And for a lot of us, we've talked the last few weeks about going and doing something, making a difference in our community, but the reality is, if we wanna make a difference in our community, first, Jesus has to make a difference in us. Like even, are you washing someone's feet or are you not washing someone's feet? One attitude is an attitude of humility. One attitude is an attitude of pride. Now you might say, like, don't tell me I'm proud. That's in, like, offensive to me. The reality is, if you're pride, the least of your troubles is me offending you about it. It's like God is against you. Like, would you humble yourself in any way you know how? 
You don't have to come and cry at someone's feet and wipe them with your hair. You don't have to do anything like that. Like you just have to come and say, like, Jesus, I want to trust you. I want to turn to you. Because anything we've talked about, whether it's doing something with our faith, whether it's loving mercy and going out and, and withholding judgment and punishment from people and giving them the mercy and the grace of God, whether it's living in a just way, living the way that Jesus would have us live, any of those things all come from the foundation of being humble enough to recognize that I am not God. Jesus is. I have to humble myself in order to walk in a new way, to walk the life God's called me to walk. And for some of us, again, I want to be so clear. We do not serve out of guilt and obligation. We get to serve because when I serve, I get to be Jesus to somebody. Can you imagine what it's like to sit down with a third grade kid and explain the gospel to them that Jesus loves them no matter what? Can you imagine using whatever resources, uh, talents you have, whatever experience you have and using it, whether it's technology, whether it's music, whether it's teaching, whether it's just honestly being hospitable and loving on people and using that and loving people and saying, hey, you know what? I don't feel like I'm making a big difference, but I'm washing someone's feet because Jesus told me to do this. I'm going to obey. Like, can you imagine the power that would give you when you can catch this vision and you can do something? We've asked this question all series long. We're going to ask it again today is, if not you, then who? Like, if you're not going to humble yourself, if you're not going to love someone and, and acknowledge that you are not God, to recognize that you've been forgiven a debt you could not pay, if you're not going to do that, who's going to do that? Because for all of us, like, I'm at Jesus's table and I don't deserve it. And how can I then look at somebody else coming to the table and say, no, you should not be here? Humility says, no, man, I was just like you. That's for every single one of us. You hang around here enough, you realize that we are not typical church people. We don't have it all figured out and life is not perfect for us, that we are all broken. We all got a story. We all have a past. So if you have a story and you have a past, you don't worry about your past. You focus on the present right now and Jesus sees your present. And you turn to Jesus. Because also, if we're gonna ask this question, we have to first ask a greater question for all of us. It's not just if not us, but if not Jesus, then who? Like, who are you turning to for help? Who are you turning to for acceptance? Who are you turning to for power? Like, who are you turning to just to see who God is? If I'm not turning to Jesus I'm turning to myself, I'm turning to other people, I'm turning to religion, I'm turning to church attendance, I'm turning to whatever. Like, if you're not turning to Jesus, then you're turning to the wrong thing. Because Jesus came to seek and to save the lost, and he also said that, I am the way, and you can find life through me. The beautiful thing is that he extends that life to everybody and anybody. Like, everybody is welcome, and the beauty of grace is that no one can earn it, no one deserves it, so all of us are a hot mess, and Jesus wants to love us regardless. We can't brag about how good we are because it's all about how good Jesus is. And for some of us, we need to remind ourselves, we need to surround our hearts with this truth that we were broken, that we were out on the outcast of society, that we were outside of God's favor, but God came and showed his favor to us through Jesus, that he died for us to give us his life and rose again three days later, showing that he was powerful and strong enough because he defeated death. He can defeat anything else you're holding on to. So would you cast your anxieties on him? Would you give your cares to him? The thing that you're worried about, whether it's a test, whether it's a business deal, whether it's your marriage, whether it's Christmas with the relatives, whatever you're holding on to, would you give that to Jesus? Because if you're not giving it to Jesus, you're giving it to somebody else and they are not, you are not designed to carry that weight and it will crush you. Jesus is able to carry that weight and Jesus wants to. Would you stand with me as we pray? We're gonna close out this series. I wanna ask you two things as we pray. Uh, you can go ahead and begin an attitude of prayer. You can have your heads down, eyes closed if you're comfortable with that, just as a respect for people around you. I wanna ask you two things as we close this series out. The first thing would be uh, if you're here today and you are struggling holding on to something, that there is something that you're holding on to and you feel like there is a, an amount of the peace of God that you are not experiencing, would you just let that go? You can even right now with your hands in front of you or raise them up, just open your hands to Jesus and say, I wanna just let this go. I wanna cast this on you. I wanna give this to you. It could be a relationship that you have. It could be a family member. It could be a, a diagnosis you have. It could be something that you are scared out of your mind about. Would you just lift that up to Jesus right now? God, I thank you for being strong enough for taking that. 
God, thank you for taking all of our anxieties. God, thank you for caring for us enough to take them. Thank you for being strong enough to hold them for us. I pray that we would be able to continually lay them down at your feet to give them to you knowing that we cannot carry them ourselves. Thank you for loving us enough to take them. The second thing I wanna ask is if you're here and you say, I don't, I don't know if I've ever turned to Jesus. Like, like I've heard about Jesus and I'm trying to do things my own way and I'm trying to be good enough and I don't know about this grace and what about Jesus and like, like do I need to try harder? Do I need to try good enough? It's not about you trying harder or being good enough. It's about God being powerful enough, Jesus being good enough on your behalf, taking on the punishment that all of us owe to be paid and Jesus paid it for us so we could have his life and his peace. And if you're hearing, I don't know if I have, but I want to trust Jesus. Would you raise your hands right now and say, I want to trust Jesus. You can put your hand up. You can put it right back down. You can put it up and you right back down. Thank you. Awesome, right there in the back. You can put your hands up and right back down. Say, I want to trust Jesus. I want to turn to Jesus. I see your hand. Thank you so much. All church, would you get loud real quick, celebrating what God's doing? We get loud, celebrate what God's doing. And we're gonna pray. Now I want you to pray. I wanna pray for all of us. And if you have turned to Jesus, if you trust Jesus, even if you didn't raise your hand, I wanna pray for you. We wanna walk through life with you because this is what I know. As we turn to Jesus, the enemy wants to attack and wants to tell you all sorts of lies and you need support around you to help you walk in this new life that Jesus wants for you. So would you come talk with us? You can fill out a card and we wanna pray for you. Would you all raise your hands and we'll pray together. Jesus, thank you so much for being powerful. God, for being able to save us, able to change us. I pray that we would walk in a new life that you've given us. God, that we we would be changed people who change our world. God, that we'd be humble enough to wash someone's feet. We'd be courageous enough to follow your lead. God, we love you and it's in your name we pray. Amen. Hey, thanks again for listening. If you enjoyed this message, would you do us a favor and rate and review our podcast on your favorite podcast catcher? You can actually now listen to us on Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, SoundCloud, and Apple Podcasts. Basically, this just helps us get the message of Jesus out to more people. And the other thing I would say is we would love for you to join us at one of our gatherings. One of the things we work really hard at is to create a safe place for people to be able to ask questions, to be able to investigate and grow in their faith if they're longtime followers of Jesus. And one of the things that we say a lot is regardless of what background you're coming from, you can belong here before you believe. And so if you want more information about our church, our location, service times, just go to our website at centerpointfl.org.